Welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club, and in this episode, we'll begin a short series looking at Heinlein's 1948 short stories, um, and we're going to start with the Future History series stories, um, like the ones published in 1947. These were published in, in mainstream popular magazines, brought in a little bit more money for Heinlein than, than his publications in Astounding. Um, I think he did publish one more in Astounding at some point in this, this period. I was printing them out and I noticed that. So that's kind of cool, but um, we're um, we're with a new magazine today in this, this episode, and that's Town & Country. Town & Country, I've always heard about. I, I don't think I've ever, you know, actually touched an issue of this. Uh, I'm sure it's been on the shelves or things. I remember an ad for like a magazine subscription when I was a kid that was on a lot on the TV and it, it advertised town and country as a magazine to get. Um, apparently it's one of the longer lasting magazines in, in American history. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't quite know how this story fits, but I guess that's true of the Saturday evening post as well. They just, I guess they just printed fiction sometimes and Heinlein's name was getting out there at this, at this point in his career. So um, I guess there is an element of, of, of folksiness to this, which I, I guess is kind of the feeling I, I feel I get from, from Town and Country magazine or a magazine with that, with that type of name. Um, but it really fits into the themes we were looking at in the stories of 1947 with the themes of, of the precarity of humans, um, humanity going into space combined with that desire to be there and that, that ambition and the, the drive to go there. And then the growing gap between people who experience space and the people back on Earth. It's not a surprise that this is published in the Green Hills of Earth Anthology, which includes all of these stories like Space Jockey and the Green Hills of Earth, of course, and, and It's Great to Be Home. Um, Columbus was a dope, I think, is there. And a few more we're going to be looking at um, shortly all fit into that anthology, and they're thematically really connected around these, these, these issues. So this story is it's actually in my view one of the better ones I've read in this in this little uh, mini series of short stories um, as well. Uh, it's because it deals with with trauma and it deals with uh, how trauma makes it difficult to come back. And I, and I think now that I'm mentioning that, I think that's why it's published in the mainstream magazine. Is it's it's really about people returning from World War II in a way, right? Because many Americans came back from World War II and World War I for that matter, but in World War II, I think there's more conversation about this and more discussion about this. There were magazine articles like, if your husband comes back different, if you don't recognize him, if he's, you know, how to deal with that. Uh, I know women's magazines had a lot of those articles in the, in the mid-1940s. So um, there was, I think they're still calling it shell shock in those days. I don't know if PTSD was yet defined um, by, by psychiatrists, but there was simply more discussion and honesty about this. I, I talked about this in my work on Philip K. Dick because he's, of course, very interested in psychiatry and, and kind of on the anti-psychiatry -psych side of things. Um, 
and and of course Heinlein has his own issues with with psychiatry as as you know if you read the astounding book he's in that circle with with um, Hubbard and and Campbell and those but um, he seems to be a moderate in that that camp because he is you know actually addressing in a, in a very conventional way some a very common experience which is people come back from experiencing trauma in in war or some other experience and that changes you and it makes it difficult to interact with the people around you and people don't always understand that trauma they don't they don't know where that really comes from they can't um they can't empathize and there's a loneliness to that now of course in world war two there was 15 million americans you know 10 percent of the population was in uniform but of those only a small percentage saw actual combat so even among veterans a lot of them didn't actually experience any combat. I think it was only like 5% or something of American soldiers saw combat. Of course, in different armies, it was, it was higher amounts. But, you know, it's, it's a lonely experience to be uh, facing this trauma, people not understanding it. Um, now, I think that would have been a good story. Uh, Heinlein takes a different path with it, and he adds this subplot of, of him overcoming that trauma. So I think he, in a sense, undermines what the power of the story could have been if he would have had it to be a, a slightly more bleak tale, something more like um, uh, It's Good to Be Home, where in a sense, the, the, the protagonist of the story, that the protagonist of the story ends up failing in, in his mission. That's actually a couple, but they fail in their ability to, to stay on earth because of what they underwent. But for the, in that story, it's just living on, on the moon. And, and having moon culture and moon experiences and, and getting used to that and having a hard time to come home. That's a true enough experience. That's more common for us, but someone coming back from real trauma. Uh, and he starts from the first, very first sentence telling us that this is going to be a story about trauma. Writing, maybe we should never have ventured out into space. Our race has but two basic innate fears, noise and the fear of falling. Those terrible heights. Why should any man in his right mind let himself be a place where he could fall and fall and fall? But all spacemen are crazy. Everyone knows that. And quote, another uh, dividing up, another moment of dividing up the experiences of people in space and the people on Earth. That, that, that there's going to be growing, growing gaps between those who stay on Earth and those who venture out into the, into the solar system. And that gap apparently is just going to get bigger and bigger. And you know, if you take the long thread of the future history, you do see evidence that that there are humanities becoming a little bifurcated, divided up in, in that way. Um, there are very clear different cultures. Even in the juveniles, you see this a little bit too, where, uh, of course, there's aliens in those. But the idea that as humanity spreads out, they're going to develop in their different ways, their different cultures, different attitudes. Certainly, the moon is the harsh mistress has this. You have it in Stranger in a Strange Land, even in Methuselah's Children, although there's about how some people become long-lived. But humanity is broken up between uh, a more progressive force, if you will, and, and those who kind of stay behind. Um, and, and I think this is something Philip K. Dick has in the back of his head in a lot of his early writing. And remember, that's not that far removed from this stuff. Um, Philip Dick's only writing seven, eight years after this. His, uh, his, uh, actually, yeah, seven years maybe. His stories dealing with the frontier, and and his frontier stories have this this need, this this paralysis of humanity overhanging everyone, and there has to be kind of a, a breakout 
I think Heinlein's basically is is of course he comes up with it first, but you know Philip Dick is agreeing with Heinlein to a certain degree here. But um, something Philip Dick is not as interested in is, is a psychological experience. Is interested in as Dick is in psychology. Um, he's not. Well, he's not interested in trauma in quite the same way. Uh, if he, he always has some kind of spin on it and, and curious reflection on it. For instance, in, uh, he's got, Philip Dick has a story. I want to be clear here on what I'm trying to say. Philip Dick has a story where he deals with a similar fear, the fear of falling, right? And for Heinlein, that fear of falling comes from a traumatic experience someone had in space where they thought they were going to die yeah, um, because they, they lose connection to the ship and feel like they're falling forever, right? Horrible, horrible experience if you think about it. But for when Philip Dick takes on that same idea, his idea is um, that the fear of falling is because he's a precog. He's he, he's able to see his future, and he and, and the future is he's, he's a very mild precog who who only knows his death. And that death is going to be from falling. So he's just, uh, whenever he has a fear of falling, he's just having glimpses of his actual death, right? In a way, Heinlein's better at this because he's actually looking at someone's trauma and Philip Dick is trying to, to dance around an interesting idea here. Um, and I think that's true of some of his other explorations into psychology um, where, you know, and I, again, Philip Dick is very much, on this, even though he was a consumer of psychiatry, he wasn't a big, he seems to be on the anti-psychiatry side, like the, the Liang, the, the Scants, Goffman, whoever those people were. You know, that movement of the anti-psychiatry movement of the, of the mid-20th century. Um, and that's why you get this kind of almost mocking of the therapeutic experience. You get uh, mocking, of course, of total institutions constantly and a criticism of them, rightfully, criticizing those institutions. Um, and then like, you have that story, Clams of Elfane Moon, where, where different pe people with different mental illnesses are just different tribes on, on, on a planet. Interesting idea, a fun idea, but I don't think it really takes seriously um, psychiatry and mental illness. So I, I'm kind of... Uh, I, I may have had a different view about Dick's look at, at psychiatry back when I was reviewing those books, but um, I do think this is, is uh, can contrast very well. well. In any case, this is a contrast with that because um, I can't think of too many Philip Dick stories that explore trauma in, in quite this way. That's not trying to some not do some kind of trick or, or have some other agenda on the other end about reality, about human nature or something. This is just a brutal look at, at what it, you know, the, how the experience of almost dying or feeling like you're going to die lives with you. Right? Um, and and I, so again, I think this is written at a time when people are thinking about this because of people who return from World War II. Um, like your Audie Murphys, right? Who they, I think he was one of the first to really be open about the trauma he's experienced and how it lived on in his his life later on, right? Didn't he? He had issues with his wife. With, he was abusing his wife at times. He he slept with a gun under his bed. He had uh, all kinds of the signs of uh, PTSD, right? So uh, war changed his psychology, right? It's, 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 
and it happened to millions, and or at least hundreds of thousands of, of Americans. So it was, a, it was a common experience. It was one that was discussed publicly in magazines like like this. I I know of women's magazines who dealt with this directly. So, um, anyways, uh, ordeal in space. Let's talk about this story. Um, published in May 1948 in Town and Country, as I said. So we have a, a guy who comes back essentially as a, as a hero of, of space. After we're, after we're told spacemen must be crazy to go in space, humanity is not really built for that, right? We're, all, we're not built for many things that we do all the time, obviously. Um, and he, he survived. He's intact physically. That's the psychic paragraph we're told. The medicos fix you up. You have your arms and legs. You're the one of the lucky ones. But we find out Later on, he's, he doesn't have the, he's not one of the regular, the, the lucky ones because he does have uh, trauma, right? Now it gets kind of discussed just as acrophobia, right? The, you just have a little bit of a fear of heights. So sometimes other characters are belittling his, his trauma, which I think is an experience people who, who have this have. You know, I, I can't speak to that experience myself, but I think it's, it's true to life. And of course, he's a hero, so he's being, other people are talking to him like, well, we'll just, um, you know, you, you can get a job very easily. You can kind of get back on, on your horse. But he's very hesitant to do that. Um, he's trying to reintegrate into New York society and be, be left alone in a way, but he's constantly living with this, these feelings. For instance, one is despite his, his, his reputation, he doesn't. He want, doesn't want people to recognize him or notice him, so he uses a different name. For instance, um, quote: He left feeling in his name to the last and hesitated even then. He had more than his belly full of publicity. He did not want to be recognized. He certainly did not want to be throbbed over. And most of all, he did not want anyone telling him he was a hero. Presently, he printed the name William Saunders and dropped the form in the slot. Um, he constantly chain smoked. Not uncommon in highlight stories, of course. It's written in the 40s and 50s and 30s when most men smoked. But you can also think of that as a sign of, of, of the trauma he's, he's facing. Um, so this actual story itself, there's not much to it. Um, I, I do think there's an interesting uh, world building here where we have the, um, what is it, uh, Holy Father is Strong to Save. I, I don't know if you know this hymn. It's, it's, it's an English, maybe somewhat American too, hymn for the Navy, for sailors. It's that one, uh, oh, it's Eternal, Eternal Father is Strong to Save. How's it going? Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm hath bound the restless wave, who bid the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when you cry to thee for those who peril, for those in peril on the sea. Um, that gets changed in the era of space travel to Almighty Ruler of all, whose power extends to great and small, who guides the stars with steadfast law whose least creation fills with awe, O oh, grant thy mercy and thy grace to those who venture into space. So just a little uh, pirouette on that uh, famous hymn that the readers would have known, especially in the aftermath of the war. Probably heard it a lot, right? There's a lot of people who served in the Navy and a lot of people with family that served in the Navy and, and maybe sang this hymn, uh, holding back tears, hoping that their loved ones would be safe. So, um, but again, those people back at home who sing this hymn can never know the true experience of, of being in a submarine or, or being on a ship. 
uh, facing those perils. Um, but uh, the, the, the climax of the story, let, let's get to that. Um, let's, not, um, let's not spend more time than we need to on this, this short story. Uh, the story really rests around him living in this new flat, this new apartment, and he tries and he sees there's a cat on a ledge. And it's New York City. He's up like 40 floors or something. And uh, it's actually a kitten uh, stuck on the ledge. A cat probably maybe would be okay. Uh, a kitten, of course, needs to be rescued by our, by her, our heroic spaceman. Um, and he does. He eventually does overcome his fears. of. of uh, so we get a heroic moment where he overcomes his fears, which is, again, I think that's a little bit of pulling his punch on the impact of the, the story because uh, it's not that easy to do that. It's not like, oh, you can just kind of white knuckle your way through trauma. Um, I, I think that's that kind of narrative is a disservice to, to people who experience that and live with, with this with kind of trauma. But it's Heinlein. Heinlein does think you can kind of white knuckle your way through life. Um, and and the mind can dominate over 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 matter, over over, over us. Um, what I think he doesn't realize is, is that if that's true, the mind uh, is in the driver's seat then, and, and that mind can be damaged and harmed, and that's going to affect how we act, right? It's not something you can just kind of get your way through. Uh, it's not just having enough moxie at the end. Spaceman's moxie is not going to save the cat, uh, I think, in most cases. Um, but he does save the cat. Now, between the realization that there's a cat in danger and the, the end of the story where the cat is rescued, we get uh, Cole, is his real name, Cole. Um, so we get the background story of how he developed this trauma, and it involves him repairing an antenna um, to on, on the ship, um, and he's the one who has the ability to do this, and he gets sent out. I don't think he's ever named. But uh, he succeeds in doing this, but he loses his hold onto the ship and he drifts away um, into space and, his, and he kind of loses consciousness. Uh, we're told he comes to with the captain looking over him and we're told uh, he, he hung there for two hours before losing um, um, consciousness or whatever. Um, quote, take it easy. The patrol from Deimos was already close by when you let go. They tracked you on the scope, mashed orbits with you, and picked you up. First time in history, I guess. Now keep quiet. You're a sick man. You hung there for more than two hours, Bill. Oh, it's Bill. Bill Cole. That's, that's, his, that's his name. Um, so, the, so he's done something no one's ever done before. That's why he becomes famous. And, and kind of a, a historical figure is that he's the first person to kind of survive essentially being adrift a at sea, right? Like that happens, people fall overboard and I guess sometimes they're safe, but usually that's a death sentence for a sailor, uh, at least in, in pre-modern times, I don't know about now. I suppose there's equipment to help with that stuff, but of course, uh, you know, losing yourself in space, Probably a death sentence. Probably not good for you. Good for you. And it seems it happened before, and no one's safe, been saved. But he has just by luck, just by luck that there's another patrol ship nearby Mars that could pick him up. 
So he must have thought death was coming uh, for him. Um, and he struggled the last moment to, to survive. But as a result of this, obviously, he develops his, his fear of heights. Um, but in the end of the story, we, we get a few pages where it's described how he, um, how he saves the cat. Uh, going through a very similar kind of challenge, right? It's it's logistically a quite similar experience. One is like if you lose your grip, if you fall off, you're going to uh, die, right? The ordeal in space is both these challenges he had to overcome, right? Because the, the end result of both is the same. They're both you against essentially gravity and against... Uh, the empty, like the emptiness of, of of a wide open space where you'll be helpless if you can't hold on. I mean, it's a very similar experience, which is why I think it's a little too easy for a character to to do this. It is a very optimistic tale. Um, I don't know if the end result of this is he's going to go through life with uh, a renewed sense of, of mental health, not fearing heights anymore, or is it something he's still going to have to live with? I think Heinlein wants us to take it as as a triumph over it, but I think knowing what we know now about about uh, mental trauma and how people face it, I am I'm I think there's a deeper reading we can give to this, not not downplaying the heroism of him saving the cat, but uh, maybe a more honest look at this would be is in, you know should be considered at this point. But Heinlein is Heinlein, and he has his his uh, thoughts on human psychology, I guess. So um, I guess that's it. It's it's a pr pretty solid story. Um, I really enjoyed this one. So um, next we'll look at a more, also part of the future history story. Um, it, it seems to be a more conventional science fiction story called The Long Watch. Um, and and we'll, talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that then. Um, so Anyways, that's it. Let me know your thoughts about Ordeal in Space. As I said, I, I think it's a pretty solid story, but I'd love to hear your opinion on it. So um, that's going to be it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.